0: Craftsman podcast is sponsored by bits and bits in their shop in Oregon. Bits and bits manufactures a wide range of spiral router bits from one eighth inch shank to half inch shank from one inch cutting diameter to half inch cutting diameter. They make upcut, downcut, compression bits and more. They're used in router tables, handheld routers and CNC machines from hobbyists to production shops. They coat their bits in a astro coating proprietary nano coating designed to keep the bit running cooler, prolonging the sharpness of the cutting edge. They're the only factory authorized dealer to Astrocoat Whiteside Router bits. Their expanding line of Whiteside bits ranges from spiral flush trim bits to roundovers, chamfers, rabbiting bits, and more. They're a festival dealer stocking mainly router and domino related accessories and consumables. You can check them out at bitsbits.com and use our coupon code AmericanCraftsman to save yourself 15%. All right, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Season two, episode four. Boy, time does fly. Yeah. I flew today, and we had to rush over here. (laughs) We're running out of time, as a matter of fact. I even drove in the left lane. Wow. (laughs) Well, before we run out of time, we better thank our sponsor, Hayfla. Hayfla offers a wide range of products and solutions for the woodworking and furniture making industries, from hinges and drawer slides to connectors and dowels, sandpaper, wood glue, shop carts, and everything in between. Exclusive product lines, such as Looks LED lighting and Slido door hardware, ensure that every project you create is built to last learn more at hayflacom we've been uh we've been making an effort to to shop at hayfla more yeah now that we've learned the you know the product line a little bit not well not not their product line but they do have a product line several product lines such as looks LED lighting and and slido door hardware um, but as we've um Become more familiar with with everything that they have. Yeah, they stock so much stuff. We've been kind of surprised. Yeah, you know, like I shot been shooting emails over to our salesman, Rich. We'll say, Hey, Rich, give me a price on, you know, if I buy two hundred of these and a hundred of these and a hundred of these, and then, you know, they send over a thing. And, yeah. You know, getting quantity discounts and stuff like that. So it's it's cool.
1: It's nice. It's yeah. nice.
0: So we told you guys we'd be doing questions this week and we have some good questions. I can't wait to hear them. Pull up the email. The email is the American craftsman podcast at gmail.com. So make sure to send in your questions to be entered into the running for
1: a beer glass. Yeah. That's for all for next month. You send it in now you're you're in next month's running.
0: Right. So I figure we'll announce that maybe next episode. Yeah. That way we can talk about it briefly. Uh, Let's see who we can start with. Um, I guess we'll go in chronological order. So the first person to send in a question was Andrew. Andrew Hatch. uh, Hatch made it, I believe is his Instagram. I think so. He's another Canadian. Hey. Business question. How do you go about developing relationships with interior designers or other repeat type clients? Your salt sellers, for example.
1: That's a good question, actually. Yeah, because before we had any relationships, we wanted to know that answer too. Yeah, <laughs> because it it's a great form of repeat business, as Andrew mentions. Yep, uh, it's always good to work with other people in the field, you know, because they're they're bringing in ideas as well as business and inspiration. Um, and it it's a network it's that that just expands, so how do you do
0: it? Um, I mean a lot of it is just happenstance, I think mm-hmm. you know you gotta people are reaching out to people all the time, and obviously we're all trying to make the best impression, so you all know that, yeah you know, try and make the best impression you can on social media and your website and and all those things. Um, and obviously when you talk to people, try and make a good impression then, um, you know, respond quickly to emails. If they ask you, this is the first time if, if a designer reaches out to you and says, Hey, uh, you know, I never, we've never worked together. I have this job. Can you bid it? Get the bid back to them as soon as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Be um, really
1: thorough too.
0: Yeah. Even if you're going to be slower on the next one, you want to, on the first Obviously the first job, you can't get a repeat client without getting a first job. So you need to try your hardest to get that first job. Um, Yeah. Some of it's luck
1: in that it's a good fit. I mean, we had a lot of, um, initially we had a lot of designers contact us where it was just a bad fit. Like they wanted something built that we just didn't really do or felt good about doing. Yeah. They wanted cheap. Painted B- boat, BS. And, um, we were lucky when we met Jacqueline in a sense. Yep. Uh, only that broke all the rules as far as meeting. A- were we lucky or was she lucky? Yeah. Uh, well, it's reciprocal for sure. Yeah.
0: And that's, uh, that's another thing. You want to find a designer where you have a reciprocal, um, relationship. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, somebody that you respect them and they respect you. Yep. That's always the best, mm-hmm. no matter who you're working with. Um, so a designer emails you. That's probably what's going to happen when they contact you on Instagram and they say, hey, you know, we're looking for prices. Sometimes they're they've got somebody that they've been using all the time and they're just looking to keep them honest and they want another number. Yeah. Um, and so you have no shot at getting that job. Really. You're just, you know, kind of a, a tool for them.
0: Yeah. In this like low level (laughs) resident, not low level, but in just like general residential, I don't think anybody's wasting their time doing that. No, that's a commercial. (laughs) Yeah. That's what used to go all the time in the commercial game. Yeah. They don't care if the guy's honest. They just, they're, you know, if they want it less, they're just going to say, give it to me less. Oh my God. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah, to sum it up, you know, put your best stuff out there in order to get people to want to reach out to you. And when they do, just do a good job.
1: Yeah, make a nice presentation. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, it sounds simple, but it's all about reps, I think, you know?
1: Like some, yeah. You
0: got to have a lot of people reach out to you before something breaks.
1: You know, some people just email back a number. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you want to make a more thorough impression than that. Mm-hmm.
0: Separate yourself a little bit. All right. On to the next one. All right. This is from our buddy Keith. With the amount of online learning through YouTube today for newer woodworkers, what is something that you feel is still best learned from in-person instruction?
1: Hmm. That's a pretty good question. I I mean, I, I would say most of it. Uh I'm old school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, that's just sort of how I learn. I don't really um, pick things up in videos as quickly as I do when I watch somebody firsthand and maybe ask a question or two. There's that interaction. Mm-hmm. But like, I would say something like jointing a piece of wood. You know, there's something about the feel of passing it over the joiner bed, like not a piece that's flat, but something that let's say has a twist in it, you know, something like that that has some nuances to it.
0: Yeah. But even if you have somebody physically showing you, they can't, yeah, they can't put the nuance into your hands as yeah. they're doing it. I know. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's me projecting,
1: <laughs> you know, thing and yeah. that's how I would learn better. Right. So I, I guess my answer is sort of um, self-serving.
0: Well, welcome to 100% <laughs> of the population. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's probably everything is still best learned in person. But I mean, everything I learned, I learned through YouTube and stuff like that. So, I mean, I picked up, I picked up a couple of yeah. things on the job, but most of it. I had no other way to learn it. I didn't right. have anybody teach me anything. So. I mean, I have done some
1: things online. I remember adding an LED to my Wawa pedal mm. uh, with a YouTube uh, tutorial. Yeah. And YouTube is great. And I did just learn all of my um, Fusion through videos. Yep. It just took me a little bit longer. Like I had to watch the same videos two and three times and, and, but. I th- I think I started to get an affinity for it once. Uh. Yeah.
0: I mean, but it, when you're, it, like, when you were a teacher, it's not like you taught, all right, today we're going to talk about, um, whatever, World War One. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Monday. On Tuesday, you always review what you talked about on Monday. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. It's yeah. just, you know, you kind of have to take, take uh, ownership of it yourself and yeah. review what you already learned in order to retain it.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. World War One, Archduke Ferdinand. Yeah. Assassinated. Yeah. And who knew that a band would be named after him? Franz Ferdinand? Yeah. Yeah. So he really went down. In and they free. were one hit wonder. <laughs> so, um, so is our answer to our good buddy Keith everything? <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, everything is, I think, best learned in person.
1: Yeah, um, especially, you know what, like, I I think of you doing those finishing demos up at Maker Camp. When you get to touch
0: the finish at the end, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: You really get an appreciation for it. Yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, woodworking is a tactical thing, so there's always going to be an advantage to being able to to feel and and... know physically do the thing Mm -hmm. rather than just watch yeah watch a video but that's not to say that you know youtube can't get very close yeah i mean there's just more uh trial and not trial and error but you have to actually end up doing it yourself yeah can we think of anything that's
1: better on video
0: uh
1: It's hard to say. Yeah. Well, the video, the visual aids are good. Like I mean the fusion's good because you can follow along on the computer and, and so I mean yeah. that that came pretty close. Like a good instructor uh, on the computer was just as good, I think, as an in person.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because that you you don't need a shop. hmm Um that's the advantage to YouTube is I can learn from my couch. Yeah. I don't have to be anywhere. I could do it at four o'clock in the morning or at 10 o'clock at night, whatever. So it has an edge in that way, but yeah, that's true. I think it's, you know, any way you can pick it up is good. Yeah. Get out there and learn. My face ID is not working. I gotta put my thing in every time I uh, read the next question. Uh, Keith is Blackthorn Concepts on Instagram, by the way. Next question is from Scott Taylor. That's uh, still nappy, S-T-I-L-L-N-A-P-I-E on Instagram. That's the guy we sent the pork roll to. Oh. My question for the podcast, on average, what is the split percentage-wise between hand and power tools in your shop? Wow. (laughs) 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 Like cumulative. Cumulatively, probably 95.5. five. Well, five ninety-five. I guess we're going hand tool, power tool.
1: Yeah, I mean we do have a lot of hand tools. If you mix in all this stuff that's like not necessarily woodworking, like all the wrenches and things like that. But yeah. if, you, if you're talking exclusively planes and spoke shaves and chisels, I think he means
0: use. Oh, use. Yeah, not like physically. What do we have? Oh yeah oh yeah
1: (laughs) yeah i mean you use the plane and the spoke shave more than me i might pull out a chisel every now and again but generally we're for lack of a better word we're doing something like production work you know yeah it it, even though we're doing custom one off pieces it's still you know we have a time clock running so Mm -hmm. we're not we don't have the luxury of, um, you know, doing things quietly and, and, and at our leisure. We have to generally pick what's going to be the fastest, most efficient way.
0: Yeah. Um, it's basically like we only use a hand tool if you can't do it with a power tool.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nonstop. These spam calls. Texas specifically. A lot of calls from Texas.
1: Hmm. You know what I said about Texas? A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I graduated high school, for those of you who don't
0: know. If you, if you are a listener of the podcast and you don't know by now, <laughs> you probably haven't listened much. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, what would you say percentage-wise?
1: Yeah, um, it's definitely in the 90s. Yeah. Because um, I'm trying to think you know, cutting off plugs with the handsaw. saw, you know, mm-hmm. sh- shaving things down, h- hitting edges with the hand plane. Um, you know, I won't even count hand sanding. Um, you know, once in a while, like I'll, I'll use the shoulder plane a lot of times to clean up the, uh, tenon. Right. Um, I, that's kind of my fall back there, but it, it's, it's slim. It
0: really is. Yeah. I mean, it's really just a necessity thing. Mm-hmm. Like when it takes too long to set up, uh, sorry, I'm trying to do something here. When, uh, when it takes too long to set up the power tool and you could do it faster with a hand tool because there's only, you know, a couple to do or something to that right. effect. It, um, that's when we use a hand tool
1: yeah like even um when we were working on the molding on those beams we sort of had envisioned we had this quarter round we were adding we were like well you know all we really need to do is cut this with a handsaw. saw it's <laughs> gonna cut one next thing i knew i had the, the mitre saw. saw
0: the chop saw out on the ground yeah
1: yeah, I mean, it's
0: really, it's pretty much always faster to use a, a power tool, except in, you know, very specific it, situations. It's,
1: it's what we're accustomed to. Yep. So I'm sure there are people out there that can make some arguments about being able to do things faster or just as fast if if that's what they always use. But for us, we're, you know, we're using motor-driven tools. Right. All
0: right, I'm almost done doing what I got to do right here. Yeah, that's all right. Forgot all about um, this, so. I got a, I got a,
1: a plug because I'm enjoying a cup of coffee, a mid-afternoon coffee, from my Yeti mug furnished by CT Woodwork Corey Tai out in
0: Patchogue, Long Island. Oh yeah, yeah. I, actually, I left mine at the shop. I realized I got <laughs> home. Like, where the fuck is my mug? <laughs> yeah, this is this is a
1: primo mug. I mean. He did not uh, get a knockoff or anything like that. It's got like this beautiful, I don't know if you're familiar with his color blue. Yeah. It's almost like Patriot blue. Yeah. It's, and the Yetis have kind of like that powder coated finish on them. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's really nice. Keeps your coffee hot for hours. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. Corey just got a Capex.
0: Uh, I think it showed up yesterday.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's. Doing a little humble brag out there with his Capex. Giving away Yetis, buying (laughs) Capex. Would you hit the lottery, Corey?
0: (laughs) Man. Yeah. (laughs) And he got some of those iso tunes, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I had bad luck with iso tunes. I will never try to buy them again.
1: Yeah. You know what? I I had iso tunes, too. You know what I did with mine?
0: You gave them to who, Manny? I gave them to Manny, Yeah. yeah. He probably didn't use them for long, either. I've heard a lot of guys that had issues with them. Some guys swear by them, mm. and then other guys, it's like, it's a 50-50 shot. Yeah. The ones I got, they never even turned on. Yeah, I didn't like the way they fit in my ear, which is the whole thing. Yeah, the ones that I got were just normal, like in-ear, you know, yeah. which is hard to screw up. But yeah. Let me uh, grab those things I just printed out.
1: Yeah, that's
0: nice.
1: All right, well, you know. Uh, it's always hard when, uh, you just left here, you could talk endlessly. Probably I could talk endlessly until somebody says talk, but, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, getting out to Long Island to see Corey speaking of, uh, CT woodwork, and hopefully we're going to have time to stop in and, uh, see him over the winter break, uh, when we head out to do some work out there in uh, furthest reaches of Long Island. Say hello to Corey and Rob DeMarco. Um,
0: You know, I put two, print two copies on this and it printed
1: one. Oh, well, you know, technology doesn't always uh, abide. Yeah, we have to print up some important uh, reference material. So, um, you guys know we've been uh, working away on these boxes, but uh, we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. We were, um, sanding away this morning and, uh, early afternoon, stopped for lunch. And now we're, uh, back in studio B as we like to call it for the podcast. I'm going to try and record two this week. Um, and this is the first, excuse me while I take a sip of coffee. All right. I'm back. What's telling everybody about all the, uh, the sanding we're up to uh, with the boxes. Oh yeah, yeah. My hands, my, actually, I feel pretty good <laughs> right now. But my my right thumb just tingles now. It yeah. just doesn't
0: stop. Man, <laughs> that was uh, Elite Metal Tools saying, uh, "I I hope you got the the quote for the Cantec Edge Edgebender." Oh yeah, I did. But that's as far as we got. Um, we uh. We We Actually, we had a comment sent in from Ron Goritsky. Okay. Oops, woodworker on Instagram, Ron G. Uh, On episode two, you complained about the faux beam being held up by individual blocks of wood spaced out and flat nailed to the ceiling. You said it was shoddy workmanship. 30 years ago when I was doing this kind of work, that was the standard way of holding up a purely decorative box beam. They were never intended to carry significant weight Things may have changed, but I doubt it. I responded. When I built uh, faux beams, I always used continuous blocking to keep things nice and straight, also to get plenty of nailing and glue surface. Being solidly connected helps keep things from moving seasonally, which leads to cracked caulk and paint But different strokes for different folks.
1: Yeah. Well, I always have an issue with what's, you know, standard practice, like... Mm -hmm when we climbed up on the ladder in that same home and the tops of the doors were not even painted or primed and i was horrified and you said well that's kind of
0: standard practice yeah <laughs> i mean the people that i worked for never did no
1: um, but it it's you were not shocked like i was cuz i hadn't been exposed to that yeah. you know kind of work before you know i hadn't been in as many houses um, so, you know, what standard practice sometimes isn't,
0: isn't great. Yeah. I mean, we see it all the time. Yeah. Quarter inch backs might be industry standard on cabinets, but yeah, <laughs> we're not going to use quarter inch backs. No. Um, but you know, that's not saying that you were necessarily doing it wrong. Just right. not.
1: I mean, that's probably how he was taught.
0: Yeah. And so he went through it and did it again. Mm-hmm. He'd probably do it differently today, I I would say. Yeah, I mean, hey, to me, it's more work to cut up the two by four or two by six or whatever you're yeah. using. We used to use two by six uh uh I guess it would be L V No PSO. What's that? You know, like the Versa studs or yeah, the the the, the um you know, it's like a power lamb, but it's a stud. Mm-hmm. It's not, well, it's not like a Paralymp. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, like engineered. Engineered studs. Yeah. So they were dead straight, dead square. Um, But we're a little hoity-toity, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we got one. Actually, it's a good one coming in from Chad. Chad's Custom Creations on Instagram. Down in Georgia. Yep. Hey, guys, enjoying the new show, or sorry, enjoying the show and excited for the new season. Here's a question for my chance to win a sweet ACP glass. I've, I've had a couple people call it ACP. I call it TACP. Yeah. Because it's the, the American Craftsman Podcast. Like the Ohio State University. Yeah. Um, imagine a scenario where you and everyone else lose all social media reach. No more Instagram, Facebook, Google, YouTube. All of these things go away and won't be coming back. <laughs> and on top of that, you lose all connection with all of your current and past clients. In this fresh start, no networking type situation... In this fresh start, no networking type situation, how would you ensure that the doors to Green Street Joinery would stay open and continue to bring in new jobs? Have fun, Chad.
1: You just got to go get in the car and, and make some house
0: calls. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I guess he's saying that they're, it's, yeah, gone and not coming and back. Never okay. coming back. Yeah. And we have no connections. Yeah, you start driving around looking for houses being worked on. We've done that. Didn't we stop
1: at uh that house? Ha- what house was that? It was It was in the like that Navasink area and it was one of the builders that um Remember that bid with the old big oval? Yeah. Room. Didn't we stop in a house looking when we were driving mm, around looking?
0: No, not with them. I could have sworn that when we
1: were we were trying to find it, and we stopped in somewhere.
0: Well, we, yeah, we drove by that house, but we oh. didn't stop in to say, "Hey, you don't know us, but we build cabinets. Do you want to buy
1: some cabinets?" You can't trust my memory.
0: <coughs> we did drive by that house, but we were we were bidding work on that house. We just drove by to take a look at it. Um, yeah, I mean, that you would have to be physically beating the bushes. Yeah. We've done the electronic version of that. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's really the only answer, is you'd have to literally go out and find the work yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I kind of started at the, the beginning, at the onset of, like, where... People would look on the internet to get, you know... There's no internet. Yeah. So, I mean, I like I started when I had a Yellow Pages ad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when people would drop off the phone book. <laughs> Chad
0: didn't even say if that was going to be a thing. He might not even uh, remember the phone book. I think Chad's yeah. younger than me.
1: And I used to do things like that. I had a, I had a Yellow Pages ad. And I used to put up, put mailers together, you know, with like photographs and little introductory letters. And I remember sending them out. I'd look up like architects Mm -hmm. and I'd look up designers and just cold mail.
0: Yeah. We did that with the church, Mm -hmm. you know, mailed something to every, every church in the Diocese of Trenton. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's still a valid way to do things, just a little bit, you know more time consuming and expensive yeah, versus doing it on social media. Yeah. It's definitely slower. Yeah. The glamorous social media life.
1: I don't, you know, you know, it kind of makes me, um, you know, wish a little bit for it to slow down. Social media? Yeah. Mm. Although it drives our business really. Yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like it's, it's hard to keep up. Speaking of glamorous... How do you make sanding glamorous? Oh, man. You can't. Trust us. We've been trying since 1902. And by we, I mean
0: 3M. That's right. Can't make it more glamorous. But you can't make it faster and cleaner thanks to 3M extract abrasives.
1: Yeah, you know, and you guys know this, it's loaded with 3M science. These discs will get the job done fast. The long disc life means you won't spend as much time changing discs. And thanks to our amazing net construction, you could sand in your Sunday best and still look clean when you're done. Sunday best,
0: you say. <laughs> go now. Take off your Sunday best. Go inside. Oh <laughs> well, you keep it on, actually. <laughs> yeah. And go to go.3m.com/slash extract four to request a sample or buy now. Go now, because it helps the podcast. You get a free sample. Yeah, that's G O dot the
1: number three, letter M dot com slash X T
0: R A C T four. There you'll find the 3M Extract Cubitron 2 Net Disc 710W, the most advanced sanding disc ever made. It's packed with 3M Science. It's loaded with 3M Science. And it's a little brother, the 3M Extract Disc 310W. You know what to say. 3M extract sand less. Make more yeah I did say you get a free sample, but I'm not sure of the validity of that statement. <laughs> you're you, you sounding like me now just <laughs> just saying stuff I'm just gonna backtrack on that one. Somebody go and confirm whether the sample is free or not but it I mean it's good sandpaper so it certainly I, is. I would check it out
1: yeah. Yeah, we, we use been, a
0: ton of uh, of the regular 3M Cubitron actually too. We do, we do. We go through just it. the Cubitron too, because we do a
1: lot of sanding. That's that's the the work that gets done behind the scenes that they never really
0: show you on, um, you know, all those social media posts. Yeah, that's why I've got four applications of Myoderm onto my hands today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While you're at it, head over to Myoderm.com. Get yourself some. <laughs> CBD pain relief cream.
1: I got I got friends that I turned on to Myoderm, you know, by giving them some. Now they want more. Yeah, uh, Tom, bust out the credit card. I know. They they, they think that I'm an endless supply of yeah, free gonna be, Myoderm gonna now. you are going to be dipping into our stash.
0: Oh, man. So, Chad, you're going to have to go out and beat the bushes. That's it. I wish we had a, a more... Um, Oh wow! I, I uh... oh I did read this one. I've uh, got another one here from Nicholas Hall, Hall's Hardwoods Co. on Instagram. Robin Jeff, he's got two questions. Question one: I am looking forward to the new podcast format, and I'm glad you're bringing back Q and I'm a hobbyist woodworker, but I take one, one, a few, one or a few commissions a year. My latest project is a wall of built-ins for a walk-in closet. The design calls for side panels that run all the way to the floor, making the toe kick integrated with the rest of the cabinet. What is your go-to method when the floor is inevitably not level, <laughs> but you don't want a gap between the bottom of the side panel or toe kick and the floor? Scribe the whole bottom row of cabinets, shoe molding, pray that it's level <laughs> when I show up for install. The closet floor is tile. But you're just going to follow the floor, as they say. Oh, God. No, don't do that. You're the expert in this. Yeah, so, I mean, ideally what you want to do is when you go to measure, you want to find out how much that floor is out. Um, so, let's say it's out a half inch from, let's say the left is a half inch higher than the right. Basically, you want to make everything a half inch bigger mm-hmm. so that you can scribe it, you know, all the way to that that low point. That's or, it. Or, you know, split the difference and do a quarter inch and you you... You're taking you're taking a quarter inch off the one and adding a quarter inch to the other you know that's realistically that's the give you the best look um that way they're not a half inch different they're only I guess technically they'd still be a half inch different mm-hmm. quarter and a quarter yeah yeah but your reveals would be less obvious right so
1: your answer is measure prior to construction yeah. And then you want to make it a little oversized to compensate for the amount of material you're going to remove from the other side, right?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, yeah, scribe it scribe it to the floor. Definitely don't use shoe molding. Yeah, because if you just made it, let's say the toe was three and a half and you
0: just made it three and a half, then it's going to be <laughs> three and a quarter. And then you might not hit your height that, you you know. Yeah. So you got to take all that into account. Yeah. Um, A a good way, if you have a lot of base cabinets to do it, you know, is a to use plastic legs. Then they're adjustable, and you're just cutting the front toe kick and maybe returns if you have uh, finished sides. Unless it's dying into panels, or uh, make a loose toe, you know, like a they call like a ladder box, Mm -hmm. um, which we do both of those things. So that aids in the scribing because it's less things to be moving around. Yeah. You just scribe, you scribe the base to the floor. Then you just set your cabinets on top. I always like that way. Yeah. Um, the legs are, are nice too. That's they're fast. And we got question two. What is your process for breaking down sheet goods? I'm in a pretty small space, so I rely pretty heavily on my Makita track saw. Mm. I know you guys will be adding a slider once you're in the new shop. Tune in next week and probably won't use a track saw very often but has it been a part of your process in your current shop? If so, do you prefer slash recommend any accessories such as track squares or parallel guides?
1: Well, surprise,
0: surprise. We love the track saw. Yeah. We use it all the time. Yeah. I would say every time we break down plywood, we use it, but um, it depends, you know, it depends on sort of what kind of edge quality the sheets have. Like if the sheets have a decent reference edge... We tend to just like rip them down the middle on the table saw mm-hmm. because you get a, a pretty straight cut, one that's straight enough. I mean, even with the track saw, you get little deviations, um, because a, hundred and eighteen inch track is not perfectly straight. No, or hundred whatever it is, hundred and ten inches. Um, and some of it depends on what's going on in the shop. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. Like mm-hmm. I'm assuming, Nick, that maybe you you can't cut a full sheet on your table saw which at certain times we can't either, you know, depending on what's next to the saw or behind the saw, we definitely can't cross cut um, anything that's 96 inches long. I mean, yeah, we can't yeah. cross no matter. Uh, actually, no, we can cross cut something 96 inches long if it's less than like 20 inches wide. Right. Because it hits the shaper. <laughs> um. So, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times we'll, we'll break stuff down yeah. into 24 and a quarter by 96 and a half or whatever, you know, whatever the sheet size may be yeah. and then bring it into the shop. And then it sucks with the shaper because then your first cross cut, you can't square your end up on the full sheet. So if you, you know, we'll use the fence as like the bump stop. So you set, let's say you need 30 inch sides, set the fence to 30 well, you can't make that first cut because it's going to hit the shaper. Mm-hmm. So then you got to set the fence to 32 or whatever, 30 and a half, cut that to 30 and a half, then reset the fence to 30. Yeah. So it's a pain. Yeah. But I love the track saw. So. Yeah. I mean, for for all kinds of odd cuts, angled cuts, there's no better tool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we use one of those uh, caterpillar tables. Is that what they're called? Or a spider? Centipede. Centipede.
0: Knew it was a bug. You'll get that someday. Yeah. <laughs> one of those locusts. Yeah, the old... Uh, Corey got some of those, too. <laughs> yeah. I know. Oh, wait, no. Was it, it Corey? He did. The yeah. boars. He got yeah, a couple yeah. of those uh, boars. The, yeah. I th- he had some, too, before. But I, I think he got the taller ones. Mm-hmm. They have ones that are taller. Um... Yeah, is great. Definitely something to bring on site. Yeah. You know, for like you were asking a question one for scribe and panels. Well, put your line on there. If it's, obviously it might be wavy, but if it's a concave, cut to your two low points and then you could scribe out the rest with whatever, planer, belt sander, whatever you like. So it's good for stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the track so I love it.
0: Yeah, if you want to hear about the slider situation, we'll be talking about that next week, which is we're going to be recording that in about uh 20 minutes here. Uh we got we got two more questions left. All right. This is from uh David Weideman. His Instagram is uh works.
1: That's a tough twister.
0: W-E-I-D-E. I think something like that. Why does something pretty sure it works. Uh, based on the way you finish your furniture, what is your expectation for the life of the finishes? Acknowledging that there are many variables like sun and moisture exposure, as well as the way surfaces interact with the world. This is relevant because you make multi-generational furniture. People don't seem inclined to properly maintain or refinish their wood furniture. Perhaps a coffee table with partial sun and daily use could serve as an example.
1: That's a great question.
0: Yeah. Um, I think it's hard to put like a concrete time frame on it. Um, but I think something that people forget is like wood furniture needs to be refinished at some Mm -hmm. point. It's not going to last forever. Um, it's just not. No. Um,
1: I have most experience with the few things that I made early on down in the basement. Mm-hmm. Like I have a chest of drawers that I finished with um, tongue oil
0: and wax. Like like uh, polymerized tongue oil, foreign beast kind of stuff? Yeah, or like, yeah. Um, what the hell is that other one?
1: No, in fact, not tongue oil, Danish oil. So that's, oh, okay. a linse, that's actually linseed oil with some dryers in it. Yeah, yeah. So I used that. It was white oak. And just some regular paste wax. And it's it, it's up in the bedroom, sees very little use, mm-hmm. you know, as far as like, you know, you don't put glasses on or anything like right. that. It just sits there. Um, it's like
0: it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You clean it with like a harsh Windex or something regularly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the funny thing is you just have to dust. Yeah. Like, but I haven't replenished it. Um, like the kitchen cabinets, though you could see they're dry,, yeah. and you know the, the things that are getting used all the time getting splashed with water mm-hmm. and and dish soap they could certainly use a refresher after twenty years, yep,
0: and that's natural I mean like mm-hmm. excuse me, I'm tired, um like a wood door, like. If you want to buy a wood door, you better buckle up for some <laughs> maintenance because it's not going to just last out there in the sun. Oh, God, no. By itself. You know, you're going to be refinishing that every two to five years. You know, maybe you'll get five to ten out of the first, but then, you know, it needs to be maintained.
1: Oh, yeah. You yeah, I've got, I've gotten a few calls through the years, people wanting their doors refinished and they're in such bad shape by the time they get around to somebody like yeah. us, you know, there's rotted pieces where the water has gotten in and, um, yeah, I've seen some nice doors ruined because people didn't maintain them.
0: Yeah. But I'd say realistically, like let's, uh, i answer the question. Yeah. Um, like let's say it was, um, I don't know the vesting, for example. Yeah, I'd be curious to see
1: that that in twenty years or something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, unless it it it's going to degrade for some reason, which mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it would. Uh, it's got to be UV resistant, a UV cured finish. I mean, I'd say that it's got to be good for yeah twenty twenty five years. Yeah, with you yeah. know regular use and barring it being you know chipped or, or gouged or anything like that, where stuff is going to start to get in there. Um, there's no reason it shouldn't last that long, at least. Yeah. Easy. Because
1: now that I think about it, like all of my beginner projects that are at least 20 years old, they're all doing great. Yeah. I mean, they're not heavy use items, but nightstands, things like that. Uh, they're all great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could buy junk and it, you know, will last 50 years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, really, it should last indefinitely as long as it's, you know, properly maintained at yeah. least to to some degree. Right. I mean, don't do anything to it that'll hurt it is the main thing. I mean, I've got that little table, coffee table up there that replaced that one that we had. We had that one down here mm-hmm. that you guys saw if you watch like season, season one and... I think the beginning of season two, we had, uh, yeah, beginning of season two, we had video. If you ever watched any of the video podcasts, you probably saw it uh, in the basement episodes. And it's just solid cherry with, it It only has like two coats of tongue oil on it mm-hmm. or something. Not a lot. Um, and they recommend three for stuff that's like minimally handled. Well, my that's where my toddler eats breakfast and, <laughs> you know, a lot of times you know, lunch and dinner and it doesn't use a dish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But if you have a four year old, you know that most of it makes it off of the dish and it's, you know, he spills water on it and then it's like 10 minutes. He's like, Oh yeah, I spilled. I mean, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's absolutely fine.
1: Yeah. The, the natural finishes that people were always so afraid of using
0: are surprisingly resilient, you know, with just a little bit of care. Yeah. And the thing is wood furniture is repairable. So if you, if you have water that soaks into your wooden coffee table, well, it sucks, but you could fix it. If this thing, this, whatever this is that my wife bought, this MDF or, or particle board or whatever, it's, if you feel the top, it's bubbled everywhere. You can't fix that. No, It's completely impossible to fix. You can see there where there's stuff missing. I mean, so it's repairable. Yeah. So, hopefully, that answers your question, David. A long time is the answer. Yeah. Um, so, here is our last question from our buddy Matt Viz, I K A G Viz on Instagram. Hey guys, when building a piece of casework, how do you prefer to join the side panels to the face frame? I've used both, a, uh, I have used a rabbit on both parts with with success. Sorry, I got a dry mouth. Uh, but was curious how you would approach the situation. Great seeing and working alongside you at Maker's Camp. The coffee is great. Thanks again. Best of luck moving into the new shop.
1: Yeah, man. Mm-hmm.
0: What a great guy. Oh yeah. I mean, all the all of our
1: good friends that we met and uh, you know saw again this year. I miss them.
0: Oh yeah. Corey was saying we got to have a Christmas party. I know. <laughs> it's going to have to a, be in New York City. He's a traveler. Yeah. He's a traveler. We're homebodies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We received our uh, green business award on Monday. That was started at 7 p.m. That was brutal. (laughs) Luckily, they had us in and out in a half hour. (laughs) Speaking of which, I got to put a picture up of that. We should be in the Middletown Minutes tomorrow. Yeah. So
1: uh, what's the question?
0: Uh, Joining a side panel to a
1: face frame. Now is this something that we're going to see the joinery a concealed joinery? What do you mean? Like, uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding, but like pot we, we we use pocket screws a lot to put a face pr- face frame onto a panel side panel, like a finished end panel. No, so that's what I meant. Is it? It's finished. Yeah, side panel. Oh, not a not a cabinet part. Oh, okay, a side panel. Yeah, well we have the we have the biscuit joiner. We've done that.
0: Yeah, well, not typically. No. What do we usually do then? I don't know, you tell me. Glue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going <dancing> to dance around it. <laughs> we just glue it up. Yeah, we just we just do a butt joint. <laughs> Buttjoints.com. <laughs> I thought- Thought we were going to come up with something more elaborate. No, I, I'm just going to tell them the truth. Uh, yeah, Go I mean, and it. sorry. Yeah, we just we just do a butt joint, no miter mitered return. Um, I mean, not everything needs to be like a invisible grain match. You know what I mean? Like if you can see the face frame and then the side panel going into it, as long as they're a relatively good grain mat, you know, mm-hmm. color match, really not even grain match. That's totally fine. I mean, yeah, you're not building furniture for, for the Met. Right. You got to, you know, gauge your, you have to like, uh, know your audience, you know, the, the client, Unless, I don't know how much you're getting for your jobs, Viz, but our clients certainly aren't paying, you know, for those to be 100% invisible from two feet, you know, one foot away. Mm -hmm. So just a regular butt joint is totally fine. We're not going to do it if the side panel is a different color than the face frame um, because that's just bad work. But to me, that's the stronger joint. A miter isn't as strong and it's more likely to open up that's just me. I mean, other guys will say otherwise, but, and it's just way more work to do a miter. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's it. I mean, that's this, that's the, the honest truth.
0: Yeah. I mean, we will glue them up and sand them in the shop and finish them as one. Um, we've had situations like, uh, the, the, rift saw on white Oak basement job where again, you, you got to take the job into consideration. That was a job that had, you know, plywood finished sides. Mm-hmm. It's, they're style, it, We're not going to do 24 inch deep by seven feet tall solid rifts on white oak slab end panels. Right. Because, Unless you know, let's make the job it. from 18,000 to 58,000 um, because there's one, two, three, four of them. That's like, I don't know how many board feet and hours of labor so on that we actually you know do it so that the face frame sticks out like a 30 second from the the end panel yeah so that's an actual like a a, a little bit of a step back there's an intentional element to it yeah yeah because those had to be scribed on site that's right
1: yeah. that's
0: that's where it was going on that meandering uh aside
1: yeah, I like that sort of intentional look too when, you know, parts are coming together. If it's not going to be seamless, uh, I'm in favor of making it sort of like an intentional um, like design choice. Like a micro V-groove. Well, yeah, I mean, at times, but, uh, you know, that, that can get overused and be a crutch too.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, We've seen that used as a crutch. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Try to get away from the crutch stuff. Yeah, and
1: just just do it right. Yeah. Do it
0: good. <laughs> yeah, like not even a micro V groove, like a an like a, actual, yeah. like a, uh, you know, nice heavy. Well, I guess heavy subjective, but you know, a decent sized chamfer on both both parts so that you have a V groove when they right, come together. So it looks good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it all depends on the design and. You know, if we were doing something ultra-modern, it probably wouldn't have a face frame, but, you know, you might want that to be a seamless Mm -hmm. look. And, I mean, that begins at the design also.
1: Right. So. Right. I've seen pieces where, like, the breadboards have a V-groove in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, and depending on the piece,
0: that looks really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, we've done that a bunch. We did it on, like, the Big Mike's table.
1: Yeah. yeah
0: so yeah i mean we just butt it and glue it but that's just typically we do it all different ways viz
1: yeah and you know like everybody that's in our game we try and look for nice pieces of wood to mate up with you know each other and things like that so that's
0: so a rabbit on both so that's just what it makes your face frame like let's say your face frame was a half was an inch it would make it so that that joint is just a half inch and then the panel? Yeah, I guess so. That almost seems um, unpreferable. Because then it's like you have a... I mean, I guess you can't see the thickness of the face frame.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Viz does good
0: work. Yeah. I mean, it's no matter what you do, you can't really do anything wrong.
1: You want to expound on our uh, award? Are we got t- we
0: got time for that? Or uh, um, I don't really know if there's go. anything to expound on. Yeah, I mean, it's three thirty, so we better if we're gonna record another podcast, we better, oh, get, we better sign off. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, we're we're at fifty-one minutes, so all right. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. All right. Take care, everybody. As always, Rob and I, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next week. If you want to help support the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can join our Patreon or you can use one of our affiliate links in the podcast description for Vesting Finishes or Myoderm CBD Pain Relief Cream. Um, Again, we appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning in.